It's Sunday morning, and we are talking about Christmas. Christmas is not the birthday of Jesus. It never has been, never will be. Jesus was God in the flesh. He died to save sinners, his elect family. But Christmas is Christ Mass. Christ Mass is the Mass of Roman Catholicism. All they did to disguise it was drop one of the S's and pull the words together. Now, that's what they did. It's Christ Mass. When you look it up in a in a Britannica up here or Americana, it'll say Christus Masse. That's the way they used to spell it in ancient times. And uh, it's called the Mass of Christ, and the Mass is eating human flesh. And that's against God's law. And I always have to straighten out what the Mass is. The Mass is the focal point of Roman Catholicism. It is it's eating flesh, and what it is, it's a convolution over there in John 6. It's a convolution of the words of Jesus when he said, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So the Roman Catholics take that and they add that to their statement of faith and say, Aha! Now we are going to come up with a formula where we can turn this cracker or this Eucharist into the body and the blood of Christ. And so they say these words over it. Hoc est corpus eum fili. And they say that turns into the literal body and blood. That incorporated in that Eucharist is the blood also. It's a bloodless altar just like the just like the altars were in the Old Testament of the priests of Baal. Israel got involved in the same system of this that, that uh, God condemns. And Jesus said, my flesh is, he gives us the definition as soon as he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. He gives us the definition by saying, my flesh is meat indeed. I'm going to say this again because you need to know this. He said, my flesh is meat indeed. Or we could put it this way, flesh equals indeed. That would be a math equation because that's exactly what Jesus is saying. My flesh is meat indeed. If you want to know what the flesh of Christ is, you define indeed. A-L-E-T-H-E-S. Alethes is a word that means of truth. So when you eat flesh and drink blood, you don't eat his literal body. You partake of his body, which is the church. You eat of truth. And of course, alethes is a form of A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. 
Aletheia is the word truth, and truth comes from the word lanthano. Lanthano means to hide, conceal, or lie hid, to lie hid. When the alpha is placed in front of a word as a negative particle, it negates the word it's in front of. It gives an opposite meaning to the word lanthano. So alanthano is the word alathea, and it means not to hide anything. And when you tell a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, that eat flesh and drink blood doesn't mean to eat the literal body of Christ. It means to eat of truth and tell them that Roman Catholicism is lying to you when they say you have to eat the body of Christ. Then you will begin to eat flesh and drink blood because... That is an old ancient idiom. Eat flesh and drink blood means to partake in a slaughter. Now you have this more than one time in the Bible. Go over here to the 39th chapter of Ezekiel. 39th chapter of Ezekiel. This is talking about the end of time when Gog and... I'm not going to go into the teaching of Gog and Magog. I do that in great detail in a lot of the teachings I do. But go to Ezekiel, the 39th chapter, and it's talking about the end of time when God destroys Gog, which is just another name for the beast or the man of sin. And here in the beast is the world ruling system. The man of sin is the head of that system. Now here in the 39th chapter, you'll see that phrase one more time. And verse 17. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood and participate in this great slaughter that I'm going to bring about. And look over here in Revelation, the 18th chapter. I'll just kind of let you see that it is an idiom among the Jews. Look in Revelation, the 18th chapter. And it's talking about right before God puts the man of sin and the beast and all of this in hell. Uh, the 18th chapter, oh, excuse me, not the 18th, the 19th chapter. I don't know what I'm thinking of. And read here. This is talking about Christ coming back upon his thigh. He's got King of Kings and Lord of Lords in verse 16. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens. Why the fowls? There's going to be so many dead people at the end of time. There's not going to be enough funeral homes to take care of them. There are going to be millions. And God's way of disposing of this is to call the eagles and the vultures and the lions and the bears and all of this to come and eat up these bodies out here and gather yourselves unto the supper of the great God 
that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and unto them that sit on them and the flesh of all men and both free and bond, both small and great. Now, go over here to Romans, the 8th chapter. How is it we partake in this? When we tell people the truth and take the cover off, here's what happens in our lives. Romans, the 8th chapter. This will be after he's talking about whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, Romans 8. I'll catch up to you in a minute. My Bible's coming apart. All right. Romans, the 8th chapter. And reading here in... After he says, whom he did for all you did predestinate, he says in verse 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, uh, for us all, how shall he not with him also free to give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge or accuse God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We're going to partake in this great slaughter in this world, and we're going to be what they feed upon. We are counted as sheep to the slaughters. Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, I'm talking about the Christmas. I just simply showed you those things to show you. I don't know exactly sometimes. I've got so much information on Christmas. Christmas is paganism. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Now, the reason it's pagan is because it's the same system that Israel was involved in in the Old Testament when they went after Baal and the grove. Now, if you've got any kind of good encyclopedias like the McClinic and Strong, and you look up Baal, they will tell you. Baal, of course, comes out of out of north of Israel. North of Israel is what we call Lebanon. That's called Tyre and Sidon in the Bible. Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon had the same gods that they had over here in Babylon. Here's the Persian Gulf. That's where we had that war back in the early 90s, just a few days war. And, and on this Euphrates River, the Tigris splits up here. 
and on the Euphrates is Babylon straddling the river, and then up here, uh, you've got northern Babylon is Assyria. Let me say this to you, not Syria. Syria is right here. That is a nation just above Israel, and they were the constant enemies of God. Assyria was a an empire, and Babylon had their had their headquarters on the Euphrates River, and and Assyria had their capital city. It was a place called Nineveh. Now you know why Jonah went to Nineveh because that was the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were over here. They were between the Black Sea. I want you to get to where you understand these maps. Assyria was between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. If I can find it. Here's the Caspian Sea right here. Here's the Black Sea. The Crimea here is where Gorbachev used to go and vacation when he was there. Between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea is the Caucasus Mountains, and that's where the Caucasians come from. The Caucasians are Assyrians. And Caucasian comes from Gog. What they did, they softened the consonants call, cough, call, cough. I'm not going to get into that deep. But call, cough is where we get the word Caucasian. That's Gog, the land of Gog. And Gog was what they called their leaders. So that's between the Caspian and the Black Sea. That's the Caucasus Mountains there. Then I might mention the Caucasians. The Assyrians were, before they were Assyrians, they were Scythians. And the Scythians were very barbaric. They were like the American Indian. They'd ride on horseback and they could shoot uh, 75 yards and hit a feather at 75 yards. They were extremely uh, proficient with the bow and arrow and they would slaughter and butcher people. So did the Caucasians. The Caucasians are the most evil, wicked ancestors a people could have. They invented all of these, this scalping that the uh, American Indian, when Columbus brought that to San Salvador, he brought all of these Caucasian ways of torturing people. It was the Caucasians that would tie a man down in the desert, pull a, strap his arms out, put a wet piece of rawhide over his throat tight, and then as, he, as it dried, he would strangle very slowly. That was a Caucasian invention. They're the ones that invented scalping. They would also bury a man up to his neck in the sands of the desert, pour honey on him, and turn fire ants loose on his head. That's a Caucasian invention, in case you didn't know. And they, they were between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. I simply wanted to show you the difference between Syria and Assyria. Assyria was northern Babylon. Assyria carried northern Israel away into captivity. Northern Israel, that would comprise the ten 
northern tribes. I'm not going to go into why they were split. Well, I probably will. <laughs> I'm sorry I said that. Uh, and, uh, and then Assyria is overthrown by southern Babylon. Babylon. And that's the beginning of the beast world system. The whole point of the beast is, the beast was Babylon. And then Babylon was overthrown by Persia. And there's a Babylonian lion, the Persian bear. And then you. this is the beast. This was the last judgment that God had against his people when they went after other gods. Other gods. Oh, little G-O-D-S. And God sent the Babylonian line in to carry southern Judah away into captivity. But first of all, he sent northern, he sent the Assyrians in to carry northern Israel away and carry them off into into the Caucasus Mountains. You can tell, if you go over there, you can tell that the Jews were carried there because you go up here into the edge of what we call Georgia, or Armenia, and you can find a village there called Jericho. They evidently named that after some Jewish founder there went in there and founded a city and called it Jericho. And of course, when we talk about Israel being carried away captive, they're carried away captive because they went after the system of Christmas. Except it wasn't called Christmas back then. It was called Baal and the Grove Worship. Baal and Grove, and the big key to the reason that the Jews did not want to followed Jehovah God, the big reason was because of the sabbatical years. They had a sabbatical year every seven years. Now, God knew exactly what he was doing when he said, every seven years you'll leave the land alone and let it lie fallow. Because it has, God didn't tell them it has to restore its nutrients. But we know, or any farmer out there in Nebraska or Kansas knows, you cannot plant the same ground every year with the same crop. It'll suck all the nutrients out. When they do that out there out west, they have to contact a farm agent. The farm agent comes out, an environmentalist takes a sample of the ground goes back to a laboratory, tests it, and comes back and tells the farmer what he needs to put in the ground to restore these nutrients. Well, God didn't do that with Israel. He just said, leave the land alone every seven years. Don't harvest anything. Don't plant anything. Leave it alone. Well, they're going, why? <laughs> well, you can't grow. I know this. Mary and I have had a little... The garden over there in Irving, when we first moved there back in 1979, uh, 
we had a little garden and boy we had beautiful tomatoes and all kinds of things and they were just going real big and we planted that same garden for about 10 years and we would go out and buy these big tomatoes showed it as big on the box and it turned out to be the size of a uh, a grape tomato. They were just wouldn't grow nothing. We were pulling all the nutrients out. That was a good lesson for me. And you can't do that. Well, Israel said, if you think we're going to leave the land alone and not plant a reap every seven years, what was God's promise? He said, I will give you a yield like you have never seen. He said, I'll multiply your your storehouses. I will give you crops in the field that will be more than you can eat in the six years. And they didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. So the leader said, we're not going to keep them. And they went 490 years or 70 sets of these sabbatical years. They had 70 of those sabbatical weeks of years that they never kept the Sabbath, the sabbatical years. When God says, if you don't do what I say, I'll send four judgments. I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. The sword is where your enemies will come in and they'll take over. And the famine is where I'll send no rain. And if you keep going, it, I'm, I'm not even going to have to send no rain. The no rain will come on its own. When you, when you look at, the, uh, at that uh, big dust bowl they had out in Oklahoma go in the line and look that up it's unbelievable the way they planted and the way they they were ignorant farmers back in the 20s they didn't know what to do so they just planted everything all the time till they burnt the ground up and they said that the clouds would come in to rain but the sun would shine so strong on this on this hard surface ground that would reflect back on the clouds and burn the clouds up and they couldn't get any grain. Just simple, it's very simple understanding that you can't do that. You've got to do what God says. Farmers have to do it God's way. If you don't, you're not going to have any crops. Well, Israel kept saying, we're going to go after gods that don't require this from us. So they went after Baal and the grove and everything else that was equivalent all the male deities were like Baal when you look up Hercules in the McLennan Strong it will tell you that Hercules was the Tyrian Baal that means it was the Baal of Tyre down here. How did it get into Israel? Jezebel. She was a hot looking woman there. And her father was Ethbaal. He was the king of Tyre. His name was Ethbaal. Ethbaal means with Baal. He was also, when you look him up, he was a priest of the Ashtaroth of Babylon. And he was a priest of Baal of Babylon. So there's two systems in the Old Testament that keep this fire and tree worship alive and well. It is Tyre. When you mention Sidon, they're mentioned together. 
Tyre and Sidon and Babylon were the systems that kept this fire worship alive and well. Now, why was what was it Israel involved in with Baal worship? They were involved in Hercules worship. All the male deities, all the male deities were the same thing. They were all sun gods represented by the fire upon the earth, by the fire. And they were tree goddesses represented by the moon. So anywhere you find the Lord moon, you find, you find uh, the crescent moon on all of the flags or somewhere in the Arab nations. You've got that crescent moon uh, on the flag of the Turks. And you got it more or less everywhere in their culture. Now, we're talking about why was it that God, why did he scatter them? He said, I'll send these three judgments constantly. And then finally, I will come after you with the beast, the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear. Persia will overthrow Babylon. Babylon will carry Israel into captivity. It will carry southern Judah. Northern Israel was already carried by northern Babylon, by Assyria. And that was the ten tribes. Then the Babylonian lion, then they'll be overthrown by the Persian bear, and that will be overthrown by the Grecian leopard, And the Grecian leopard will be subjugated. The Grecian leopard is Alexander the Great. And he will he had four generals, Cassander, Lysacomus, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. And those four generals were subjugated by the Roman Empire, which was the beast with iron teeth. Iron teeth. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This began, this began all the way back, all the way back in 722 B.C. So, northern Israel was carried away in 722. Now, I'm going to try to show you something I want you to get a hold of. And then... They were under the rule of Babylon in 586. And then they fell to the Persian bear. Uh, there's reasons there, the lion, the bear, and the leopard. I'm not going to go through that right now. And then they're under Roman rule during the time of Jesus. Right? They weren't back from the... They were, there were four decrees given to Israel. Not to Israel, excuse me. The four decrees were given to southern Judah. Southern Judah by Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. But those four decrees were to Judah. So during the days of Jesus... Only Judah was back from the captivity. Northern Israel was led by Joseph, 
and particularly his second-born son Ephraim, And Ephraim, when the Bible mentions Ephraim long after he's dead, it's talking about the ten northern tribes. Or if it mentions Joseph or Samaria. These are all names for northern Israel. Southern Judah was comprised of the tribe of Judah. Southern Judah of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. But only Judah was back during the days of Jesus. They're the only ones that got these four decrees to come back. Northern Israel was called the Ten Lost Tribes. They weren't lost. God knew who were they He knew where they were. Here's the whole thing I want you to understand. People say, well, Israel was back during the days of Jesus. The, why they were not because Ephraim was the owner he had the inheritance and you can find the inheritance given to him in Genesis the 48th chapter and if the owner wasn't home which was Joseph or Ephraim then they weren't home that's, what the, that's the way the Jews thought of it so during the days of Jesus only Judah was there who was ruling Judah and northern Israel at that time during Jesus' day? Rome. Huh? Rome. Rome. They had a Roman governor, Pilate. The Herods were false kings. Uh, the Herods would court. The Herods were. The Herods were from Edom, south of Israel. The land of Edom was the descendants of Esau. Where in the world does Esau have any where does Esau have any inheritance with Israel? He doesn't have any. And all the heads were descendants of Esau. So they were false kings. They weren't real. Now here's what I want you to understand. They didn't stop. When what happens after Jesus day we had, we've got we got Assyria carrying northern Israel away in 722 so from 722 all through all of these kingdoms Israel's being ruled all the way down to the days of Jesus and how long do how long does the Romans rule do you have any idea until the United States comes in? Well, that's what I gave you this paper for right here. This will resume. This will resume where, where Rome leaves off. And if, I gave you this paper, God's judgment on Israel and Judah. And I want to show you something. I've tried to get this over to you. It's hard to get a hold of. Israel has, you've heard me say, Israel has been in captivity 2,600 years. How in the world could that be? Well, they were under the rule of all of these. There's a verse in Luke 21, 24. I want you to read it with me. Luke 21, 24. It's talking about Israel, the Jews. 
Luke 21. I used to travel in the ministry when I was 28, 29, 30, 31. And when I would preach on prophecy, this is the one verse I'd go to right here. This is my favorite verse in the Bible of all the verses that tell you how Israel is going to end up at the end. And he says here in 21, 24, And they, speaking of the Jews, they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Well, were they being were they fallen by the sword in 722? Yes. Were they falling by the sword in 586 to the Babylonians? Yes. Did Babylon fall to the Persian bear? Yes. And who was being ruled? All the Jews were doing, they were being passed from one kingdom to the other. They didn't go anywhere. They stayed right there in the land where they were. When they were in Babylon, they stayed in Babylon, even when the Babylonian line was fighting the Persian bear. When the Persian bear was being overthrown by Alexander the Great, they were still there in Babylon. They're not moving. They're under Babylonians' iron grip. And then when Alexander the Great overthrows the bear, they're still under his rule. And then the beast with iron teeth comes in, subjugates these four generals, and they're under the worst rule that they have ever been, and that's during the days of Jesus. What happens then? Look here at this paper you've got. They're continually being ruled. Let's finish reading this verse. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the whole context of this is the Jews falling under the rule of the nations of the world. Were they being led away captive? Were they trodden down to the Gentiles under the Assyrians, under the under the Babylonians? Were they being trodden down under the Persian bear? Were they trodden down under the Grecian leopard? Were they trodden down by the Roman Empire with iron teeth? Absolutely. And how long are they going to be trodden down? It says right here, they shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile, you can insert that rule over the Jews is finished. And they were ruled all the way from 586, excuse me, 722, all the way. And you can read this paper here and start at the top. In 70 A.D., Destruction, there was destruction in Jerusalem after a siege of 143 days. The siege was concluded, doesn't say 6 million, 600,000. Some say a million, 100,000 Jews were slain. That's a top, top era there. With thousands more led into captivity. There was no history for 60 years after Jerusalem's destruction by Titus, the Roman general came in in 70 A.D., leveled Jerusalem to the ground. We don't this have is, that one, Jim. 
Well, I gave it to you last week. You got the wrong paper there. This was from last week. Huh? Yeah, it's on the last page. You're looking at the wrong paper. <laughs> now, let's read down this because this is very, very important for you to know. And the reason they were led away was because they went after Christmas under another name in the Old Testament. How serious is it? You think it's not serious and God's going to kill millions of them? The last Assyrian to slaughter Israel was one of my ancestors, a man named Adolf Hitler. He was an Assyrian. He was a Caucasian. He's the guy that killed six million of them, and he was the last sword of God that God raised up against Israel to cut them down. Killed six million. Because of that, Harry Truman put the pressure on the world. He was our president at the time. He said, you will declare Israel a nation. I'll sanction every nation in the world. That is very serious. When he started sanctioning people and not allowing any shipments to go in, they said, that's it. We'll, we'll give in. And they gave in to Israel being a nation. That was May the 14th, 1948. They have been under the rule of all these people and under these empire ever since 722 B.C. What was that, 2,700? I'll say 2,600. It'll take me back to... It'll take me back to southern Judah being carried away by the Babylon. I'll say 2,600. Let's say 2,700 years. Israel's been in captivity. The whole point of this is that during my lifetime, Israel has become a nation again in the eyes of the world. And that has to do with the end of time. Now, let's read the next part of this. One last futile tragic attempt of the Jews to win freedom from the Romans was a rebellion in 134 A.D. By a false messiah, a man named Jesus Bar-Kokhba, he was overwhelmingly crushed. What was left of the city was leveled, and the foundations were plowed up in 134. Two years later, the Romans began rebuilding the city and renamed it Alia Capitolina. That's what Jerusalem's name was. That's what they called it. All Jews were excluded for two centuries until the reign of Constantine. Tragedy waited in the wings in history for the city of peace. That's what Jerusalem means, Jerusalem. A.D. 614, a Persian general named King Croesus II seized the city. Are they falling by the sword still? Yep. And slaughtered 60,000 Christians and taking 35,000 more into slavery. Fourteen years later, I wrote it, just I scribbled it out there at the side. Fourteen years later, A.D. 628, Heraclius made peace with the son of the invader, Croceros, entering Jerusalem in triumph. Are they falling by the sword still? Yes. Six, nine years later, 637, city capitulated to Omar the Caliph 
A caliph was the same thing as a high priest among the Arabs. Entered into its precincts without bloodshed. 51 years later, they're ruling until then. 51 years later, A.D. 688, the Dome of the Rock was erected. Mohammed, acquainted with the Old Testament and the New Testament, felt it necessary to be identified with this city. Now, it was holy to the Jews and Christians and Islam because of the overflow, overthrow. Now, let me ask you this. The Dome of the Rock is on the Temple Mount. What do you think it's going to take to take the Dome of the Rock off the Temple Mount? How about World War Three? There's no way you're going to remove the Dome of the Rock, the Islamic Temple, off the Temple Mount. That's where the Temple belonged. 280 years being ruled by the Mohammed and by the Islamic people. A.D. 969. Are the Jews falling by the sword all this time? Yes. Jerusalem fell under the power of Shai, Caliph of Egypt. 40 years later, A.D. 1009, Caliph Hakim. Notice these are all these are all Islamic kings and priests. Caliph Hakim, son of a Christian, began devastating work in Jerusalem. Five years later, A.D. 10,014, 30,000 churches in, in Palestine have been pillaged and burnt. 30,000! A.D. Two years later, A.D. 1016, Persecution stopped only when Hakim, A.D. 1009, became convinced that he was divine. Sixty-one years under his rule, then 1077 A.D., the Seljuk Turks drove out the Egyptians, slaughtering 3,000 residing within the walls. Are the Jews falling by the sword? They're there at the mercy of their conquerors. 22 years later, a new era, pitiful and sad and shameful dawns. A.D. 1099, June 7th, Christian army of the First Crusade encamped before the city. The city was seized on July the 14th, a slaughter pursued by these so-called Christian knights. They had that... X on their shields. It was actually like this. It was a CHR. They put it sideways. They called themselves Christian Crusaders and went in and began to slaughter. But most of them had had Roman Catholicism as their foundation. Now, the city was seized on July 14th. The slaughter pursued by these so-called Christian knights. For 80 years, the city knew all other enemy at its gates, except these Christian knights for 80 years. 188 years later, enter Saladin the Great, another great 
conqueror of the Islamic people. AD 1187, September 20th, encamped, entered on October 2nd, enforcing strict orders. No force of violence or orgy of conquest should be engaged in by his soldiers, such as the Christian crusaders had engaged in a hundred years before. This act of mercy put the Christians to shame. Forty-two years later, A.D. 1229, it was regained by Frederick II. A.D. 1244, just a few years later, fell before the Charismian Turk Tartars, which were Turks, and then three years later, A.D. 1247, seized by the Egyptians, they're falling by the sword. They're running through their streets, hiding from these armies fighting each other on their home grounds. And they're dying. 1260 was recaptured by the Tartars. 1517, you've heard me mention this. 1517. This is 400 years before they are liberated. And they go under Turkish rule. The Turks are very barbaric people. They've been attacking people recently over there. They were seized by the Ottoman Turks, 1517. Ottoman, Turkish Empire, Ottoman Turks. Are they falling by the sword? Why were they falling? They had gone after Christmas. They had gone after Baal in the grove. If God is this serious about not following these tree gods and sun gods, do you think he wants us to do it? Don't think so. The First World War beginning 400 years later, they lived under the Ottoman Turk Empire for 400 years. And during that 400 years under the Ottoman Turks, this is the Turks here, their empire covered much of the civilized world back at that time. The Ottoman Turks ruled Israel for 400 years until 1917. Let's read it here. October 30, uh, First World War, beginning of the end of God's judgments. A General Allenby of the British forces entered the city on foot December the 9th, 1917. He said, I am not worthy to ride by a horse in against the city of God. So he got off his horse and walked his horse in. October 31st, there was an armistice sign. 1918, they have fallen by the sword all of these millennia. An armistice was signed in 400 years of Turkish misrule came to an end. 
They didn't know what to do. There was no Israel. So after more than seven centuries, Jerusalem came under the rule of so-called Christian conquerors when General Allenby marched in to Jerusalem that day. April the 24th, 1920, a mandate for Palestine was issued to Great Britain. And in Zionism, true Zionism began when there was this mandate issued. Theodore Herzl actually started Theodore Herzl. He had stumbled at starting Zionism in the 1890s. What Theodore Herzl, what provoked him to do this, and we're talking about the reason Israel was scattered, because they celebrated Christmas, fire and tree worship. And they're being killed by the millions. The mandate for Palestine was assigned to Great Britain. Zionism began by Theodore Herzl. In the 1890s, Theodore Herzl saw a Jew killed on the streets of Paris. He said, we will start a system. We'll look for a land that we could buy. He could not foresee Israel becoming a nation, having the land that they had, 1948. I was nine years old, May 14th. May the 16th that year, I turned, I turned nine. Theodore Herzl started this thing called Zionism. He set up a system where they would put buckets out or offering plates out where any building you'd go into for people to contribute. So one day Israel could buy a land. He could not foresee them becoming a nation and having their own land that they've always had that was given to Abraham in that 17th chapter of Genesis. He couldn't see that. Israel suffered one reverse after another in an attempt to rule their country. During World War II, the final slaughter of six million Jews called the Holocaust, the last sword to cut down Israel was an Assyrian Caucasian named Adolf Hitler. May 14, 1948, the British mandate terminated and the National Council at Tel Aviv Proclaim the state of Israel for the first time in 2,600 years. Can you see that? What does it have to do with us? Everything. The end has got to be close. With 100,000 Jews in Israel, they were a nation for the first time since 586 and 722 B.C. 586 would be 2,600 years. 722 would be over 2,700 years. The Six-Day War of June 1967 gave them their city back. The times of the Gentiles have come to an end of slaughtering the Jews 
Amos 9.14 says, Once I bring them back, I will never scatter them again. The Jewish nation is back to begin their final 70th week that will end all sin and bring all everlasting righteousness in. The Jews fell by the sword until the times of the Gentiles were over. Can you see that? It was the... It was these... Let me put it this way. God brought these empires in. Assyria, which is covered with Babylon... Persia, Greece, Rome. And then that paper you've got there takes them to May 14th, 1948. And all of this, all of this dying, falling by the sword, being slaughtered over and over and over again was because Israel went after other gods. They went after the tree gods. And they went after the sun gods. I don't even know how to say all this stuff. The priests of Baal, priests, the priests of Baal were not foreign priests. They were Levites that took on Baal worship. The Levites were the third son of Jacob that were to be the priests in Israel. It's it's astounding. The priests of Baal, priests of Baal, that Israel went after. I've given you this. I've given you this paper. These are most of the gods that Israel went after. You got all the times, this is out of your concordance. This is every time they went after Baal, Bala. And most of these words are just a form of Baal. Baal, or Baal, however you want to pronounce it, means the Lord. But God wouldn't let them call him Baal. That was what they called their son gods, the Lord, Baal. B-A-A-L-I-M down here, I-M or I-Y-M is plural. And Jeremiah said, Israel had a God on every street. Why do you think he scattered them all over the world? He said, I'm going to scatter you. And then if you keep looking down here, and if you look at all of these, see down here it says Baal Peor, Baal P-E-O-R. That's the first time they were associated with the God Baal. When they were coming back, Baal, P-E-O-R. Peor was a mountain, was a mountain down here in the land of, you see this land right here on this side of the Jordan River, that was Jordan. That was the land of Moab and the land of Ammon, northern Jordan. Let me put it up here. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Israel. 
And here is Jordan. This is Jordan, Ammon Jordan, and this is Moab. Moab and Ammon were the two sons of Lot by his incestuous relationship with his daughters. His daughters didn't have incest with him when they came out of Sodom because they wanted to have sex with him. They were wanting the seed not to die just in case that the seed would come out of Lot. So they had a child by him, but it wasn't. It was going to come out of Abraham. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Now, as they were coming through Jordan, they come to Peor. This is after they have traveled 40 years in the wilderness. And they're going to come up here north of the Sea of Galilee. There's the Sea of Galilee. There's... Not, not, excuse me, that's the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is up here. The Jordan River connects the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. And so they come up just north of the Dead Sea, and they're going to cross over and go into the land. And God tells them. And they come through Peor, and they pick up one of their gods on the way home. What are you thinking, Israel? What, don't you know you've been in captivity? They have been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And on the way home, they pick up Baal on the way. They're not even back yet. Good grief. And then God says, when you get into the land, don't intermarry with those people. They're idol worshipers. Your wives will stay home and teach your children idolatry. And guess what they do? They marry them. <laughs> you go, what are you thinking of? I don't know. What's America thinking of? Themselves. We're just thinking of the flesh. Oh, me. Ain't this something? Now, I got to get on with this. The priests of Baal... Jacob had had 12 sons. Jacob. His name was changed to Israel in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. 32nd chapter. And his 12 sons started with Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and on down the line to Joseph, the 11th, and Benjamin the twelfth. These, this was Israel here. Well, the people that received the priesthood became the priests of Israel and offered all the sacrifices were the Levites. They were children of Levi. Of course, Judah, out of Judah would come the king. Jesus was the line of Judah. And out of Judah would come the king. Now, the Levites took on priests of Baal, wore their costumes. Of course, you had priests of Baal in all the other countries where they worshipped Baal, especially in Tyre and Sidon. Priests of Baal 
wore tall, white pointed hats and a white robes, and they worshipped a flaming cross on Lady Day in the ancient world. Now, what do you think of when you see that? This is on fire here. It looks like the Klan, doesn't it? It is the Klan. The KKK Kuklos is the word. Kuklos Klan. Now, if you celebrate Christmas and you're black, there's something wrong with you. You've got rocks in your head. You're not supposed to be doing that. Kuklos is the word circle. The circle always represented the sun. The halo is the sun god behind the heads of the Catholic saints. Anytime you see a head, and, and there's a sun god behind it, that is the sun god. That's a halo. Has nothing to do with Jesus. Good grief. The first time they saw that, they found it, was when Babylon... When the Persians came in, they outlawed the Babylonian, Babylonian fire worship. The Persians did. Babylon found their way over here to Pergamos. That's one of the seven churches of Asia. You'll find that in Revelation, Revelation, the second chapter. The Bible says... Pergamos is where, it says this in the text, it's where Satan's seat is. When Italus III, Italus III died, he left his system here at Pergamos. He left it since the Romans were intrigued with the magic of the Etruscans, that was the Chaldeans. They were driven out of Babylon, and they found their seat in Pergamos. You can find that in Revelation, the second chapter. When Italus died, he left his system part and parcel to the Roman Empire. So they had some Olympians that carried the torches, and somehow they crossed the land here, took, took the eternal torch, took it over here to Rome, and lit the fires in the temple of Mithra, or the, the predecessors to the nuns, which were these women priestesses over there, and they lit the everlasting fire there. Whenever they had fires over here in Israel, in Tophet, Tophet was an imitation of those fires up here. That was southeast of Jerusalem. Israel took their children 
and ate their children, burned them in the fire. If this is Jerusalem, southeast of Jerusalem is Tophet. You can read about Tophet in Isaiah, the 30th chapter, how they took their children, burned them in the fire, and ate them. God said, you want cannibalism? I'll give you cannibalism. Priest is the word kahan in the Hebrew. We would pronounce it Cohen. I said this last week. Mickey Cohen was a gangster. He was a hit man for Bugsy Siegel. His last name means priest. The only way he's offering sacrifice is going around shooting people because he was a hit man. And the kahan is the word priest. And they were kahan baals. Kahan baal, they finally shortened it to C-A-H-A-N-A-B-A-L and later on to C-A-N-N-I-B-A-L. And the priests of Baal ate human sacrifices from their altars. That's a fact. And they were dressed in these tall... What is the pointed hat? That's the closed mouth of the fish. The word fish is the word freya. We speak of freya. Freya, F-R-E-Y-A. Freya day, which is our word Friday. It means fish day. That's why the Catholics eat fish on Friday. It's fish day. Well, why would you want to do anything on fish day? Well, what about Sunday? We don't worship God on the day of the sun. Well, how about the day of the moon, Monday? Uh, you don't worship him on moon day? Or how about 2S, T-U-E-S, which is another name for Mars? Mars day. You want to worship God on Mars day? Or how about Woden? Woden was the father of the gods among the Scandinavian world. Hey, I got a picture of him. He's got the little mustache here. The Charlie Chaplin mustache long before there was a Charlie Chaplin. And he's got his hair combed down like here, just like Adolf Hitler. He was Hitler's idol, Woden. And Woden's son was Thor. And Thor's hammer is... is an extended swastika. That's called Thor's hammer. Had many names. It was called the plow in, in uh, Great Britain. And Woden's son was Thor, and he's the guy that had the lightning bolts. And Hitler brought that into Nazism and called his hit squad the SS, the Sigrun, that's what they call this, the Sigrun, and said that was, he took the lightning bolts of Thor, brought that. Hitler was the fire and tree worshiper. If you're going after Christmas, you're going after the same thing Adolf Hitler was going after. We are so polluted in America. You know, we are. And the open mouth of the fish is on the heads 
of the popes and all their dignitaries. That's the open mouth of the fish. Now, and these priests of Baal ate human sacrifice from their altars, and they were kahan Baals. The Bible says, the fool folds his hand and eats his own flesh. In Ecclesiastes, hey, are you a cannibal? Are you eating your own flesh? How about when you worry and you stress out and you get ulcers? Are you eating your own flesh? How about when you get a heart attack because you've been under stress so long? Are you eating your own flesh? The Bible says that's what a fool does. I'm, I'm so glad I've been teaching on predestination for so long. It has made me realize everything is going the way God wants it and I've stopped worrying about anything. I don't worry about stuff no more. I just let it happen. I say, I'm going to tell the truth. You can get mad and kill me. I hope you do. Shoot straight. Hit me right here. I don't want to be crippled. Okay? Now, I don't even know how to give you all of this stuff. It's the priests of Baal wore these tall white pointed hats, white robes or white sheets. Where can you get that? Well, you get it out of History of Israel, I think I got it up here. By Alfred Edersheim, you look at the 18th chapter of 1 Kings, and he will tell you that these priests of Baal, while Elijah was facing them on Mount Carmel, there were 450 of them, and he said they looked quite ridiculous in their tall white pointed bonnets. <laughs> Where are you going to be able to get the flaming cross? You get that out of two Babylons. First time I ever preached on radio, I preached on Elijah and the and the KKK. <laughs> if Elijah faces the KKK, I'd, I could picture Elijah out there and those priests of Baal with their tall white pointed hats jumping up and down on the altar, breaking it down. And Elijah saying, perhaps your God is asleep. Yell louder. People say you shouldn't insult preachers that are lying. Well, you better tell Elijah that. Because he said, perhaps your God is on a journey and he can't hear you. <laughs> Elijah made fun of him and laughed at him. I'll make fun of Kenneth Copeland being the ignoramus that he is. And people say, you shouldn't call people's names. You better tell Paul that. He said, Hymenaeus and Philetus preaches a doctrine that eats like a canker. And Alexander and Hymenaeus are trying to shipwreck the faith. Beware of that man named Alexander. He said that in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. He said, Phygelus and Homogenes are not living like they're supposed to over there at Ephesus, Timothy. Watch out for them. And Jesus stood in the streets in front of everybody and looked at the Pharisees and said, You compass sin, lend to make one proselyte. And after he's made, you make him twofold, more the child of hell and yourselves. You think he was calling their names? You bet. I believe the problem, one old lady that heard me preach said one time to somebody here, she said, The thing wrong with the American Christians is nobody's killing them. That's true, isn't it? Is anybody wanting to kill you lately for what you're saying? I love this about the priests of Baal. They were
cannibals. They were eating human flesh, and that's where we get... I've got a paper up here. God says, you want eating the flesh? Let me show you about eating the flesh. I got one called uh, Eating the God up here somewhere. And that's what they did. They called their gods down into their sacrifices. God says, you want cannibalism? That's what the fire and tree worship was, and that's what we're doing when we're distributing fortunes to ourselves and we want our way. I want my money and my things and my stuff. I don't care what you say. I've got a great conviction against Christmas. I got a book here. Maybe I'll read some to you next week. 4,000 years of Christmas. And they tell the real story of where it began in southern Iraq, down here on the Euphrates River, 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And it was a fight between, between light and dark. And it was in a fantasy world, but it was a fight between light and darkness. Light has to do with truth, and dark has to do with no truth. We're living in the worst times in America's history. People don't care what the Bible says about things. They don't care. They don't care what they're supposed to be doing or what they're not supposed to be doing. Let me give you one other thing on the on the cap, on the white pointed hat. When you see that on a kid in the corner of a room uh, during school days, what's why is he wearing the tall white pointed hat? Huh? He's a dunce. He's actually wearing the fool's hat. That came out of the Feast of Saturn. Feast of Saturn. They had a fool that they would pick out. And I'll tell you why they called him a fool. The Feast of Saturn was December the 17th through the 24th. That's because the longest days of the year, or longest nights of the year, was December the 21st. And at Rome, they said, we have to pacify or placate Saturn. He's the father of the gods there. And we want him to cause his son, the chief sun god Mithra, to come back and rejuvenate himself because I put this on the board so many times. Uh, Jesse put this up here for me. I don't know if you can get a hold of all this or not, but there's so much to it. Right here. I put this on the board because, and Jesse just came up and did this up for me, the sun is at its brightest on, the, on June the 21st. 
the sun looks like it's dimming but it's not dimming the sun is always where it is it's because the earth is rotating well it's actually leans at 23 and a half degrees and when the northern hemisphere is pointing away from the sun then the dead of winter is here and the winter solstice is here that's right down here so they said they wanted the sun the people were ignorant they didn't know we were going around and around the sun they didn't know the earth was spinning they had all this imagination so they thought the sun was moving away so they said they had to have this festival that Constantine brought into the church and mixed it with the sun and tree worship and they called this festival of Saturn Christmas there was another name for the feast of Saturn it was the festival you can look this up in your Hastings they called it the festival of the Lord of Mesru. What they did, they would pick out a foolish man because he knew what was going to happen during this festival. They would pick him out. He might be a man of low IQ. And they would have the, the people that were the poor people would take the place of the wealthy and rule over them during this seven-day period. And they had a king of this festival. And he was called the king of the Lord of Mesru. And they would have him wear this fool's hat. And then at the end, he got to do everything he wanted to do in those seven days. Sex with women with men with animals drinking drunken and then at the end of those seven days he would be put to death he knew what he was in for and evidently he didn't care so he wore that fool's hat that's where it originated from it didn't originate for the with the kid in the corner of the classroom it was a festival, and they had another, I keep saying this, you had the brightest time of the year was from the equinox backward to the summer. Let me put it like this. All right, hold on. I mean, I have I have studied more on Christmas than just about anybody in the country. I don't have any doubt about that. And I just have a conviction against it. Anything that resembles it, I don't want it in my house, around me, anywhere at all. God killed millions of Jews for this apostasy. Millions of them. With all those people they were under, they... They didn't think nothing about the Jews. They just slaughtered them along with their enemies there. They died right and left. Not just under Hitler. But they died over thousands of years. Millions and millions and millions of them died. They call that collateral, collateral damage. Yeah, collateral damage. Well, anyway, 
So when you've got you've got the equinox, which means equal night, that's when the sun begins to dim. When you get to the equinox, some of the writers will tell us. I know you think I make this up, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. Don't make it up. I've got. I research the internet. How many? How many minutes of daylight do we lose each day after June twenty-first? That's the longest days of the year. After the summer solstice, when days are at their longest, each day starts to become shorter by about one minute every three days. However, this process accelerates. That's why in Middle Tennessee, and they, you think the ancients didn't know this? Certainly, they studied the stars. Sure they did. They said, they started losing 30 seconds a day, up to two minutes every two days, two minutes, as soon as you pass the equinox. So the darks begins to take over here. And the dark stays to the vernal equinox or the spring equinox. Vernal means spring. Spring equinox. So this period right in here is the darkest parts of the year. Can you see that? And that's where all the pagans had their holidays was in the dark periods of the year dark you had Halloween here and you had these other formal names for them you had the feast of Saturn here then you got into February February 14th you had another one of these seven day festivals these are under different cultures. This was under the Celtic Celt, and it, when it speaks of when it speaks of gods dying, it's actually just it's a picture of the crops dying until the spring. That's all it's about. And they said these evil gods were calling the crops to die. Pluto, Pluto was a Evil God long before he's a dog. Pluto, Styx, Hades, and they had many evil gods, and then they had the good gods. And they called all their gods by the title of D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Damonion. That's what they call their gods, demons. Let me read a little more of this. As the summer progresses, the rate of daylight loss increases. You can look this up on your internet if you want to. Oh, I can look it up for you and I'll read it to you, all right? Around the time of the autumn equinox in late September when the day and night are exactly equal, that's the equinox, the days grow shorter by about three minutes per day and then it increases and accelerates. Here in Middle Tennessee, the sun sets around 8.45 in the middle of summer. It sets about 4.45 in the middle of winter. 
And those people thought, well, the sun is moving away. We've got to do something. So they lit these bale fires to help the sun god, Saturn, warm up the earth. They go to the wrong gods. Then he says, uh, however, the speed of this process reverses itself shortly after the point by winter solstice when the nights are longest. And I've got all kinds of papers on this. And they'll say, the summer solstice, which occurred this year, Friday, June 21st at 11.54 a.m., this is the longest day of the year in terms of daylight. That's why Paul would say, when you're going after these idol gods, the gods of Halloween, of the Celts, gods of Saturn, which is the Christmas gods, or the gods of the uh, the gods of February, 40, the February the seventh through the fourteenth. That's what the Franks or the French called Mardi Gras, and they had a seven-day festival where they had a fool wear the hat, and he died at the end of the seven days. The same way as the Feast of Saturn, the festival of the Lord of Misrule. And this is where Christmas comes from. You think God wants us to do it? No way. I'm glad that I discovered that early in life. I didn't start practicing until I was in my 40s. But I, I called a professor in a seminary. And he was a professor at Washington Bible Institute. I had heard about them. And... I knew that they taught predestination. They believed in real in-depth teaching. And I called up there and asked the secretary, who's the best professor on history you've got? She told me. I called. I talked to him. I said, Professor so-and-so, my name's Jim Brown. I'm just a little preacher down here in Tennessee. And I believe that what we're doing with Christmas and Easter and these unholy days, we are so we are keeping the gods of Rome and Greece, all those Olympic gods. I said, I believe that's what this is about. He didn't say, you're not right or anything like that. He simply said to me, you need a set of books called Cyclopedia Biblical Ecclesiastical Theological Literature by John McClinic and James Strong. And you need a book called The Two Babylons. And he said, you will be on your way. I said, thank you. Goodbye. This has got more information in it than anything I have ever read after. Mr. Hislop was a member of the Free Church of Scotland. It was a predestination. He was a predestinationist preacher. He's got more information in this book. This backs up everything he's saying. And you've not only got that, but you've got the Encyclopedia of Religion by Hastings and if you read these things, don't think that you can kind of rub up against these and you'll get the information by osmosis out of it. If You can't become a piano player by rubbing up against a piano that you buy, can you, Judy? No. <laughs> you got to practice it. you got to read these books. I keep telling you that. If you're trying to read Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah by... Edersheim, it's too hard to read. 
you got this this Herod, this Herod, this Herod, and this Herod trying to court this king and this Caesar, and you're going to lose your way. What you do is you take the life and times of Jesus the Messiah, look in the index the same way you do this. I can, I look in the index. I'm going to show you something. I'm just going to look in the index back here. I'm going to look up cross, C, cross of fire, page 155 in your, in your two Bibles, cross of fire. And the Roman Catholics brought the fire worship into the church, so they had the, the cross was nothing but a sign of Tammuz, the fish god of of Mesopotamia. It's one of the head gods of the ancient world. How much time to have, Mike? Four. Four minutes? Yes. <laughs> I'm not through. I needed to go ahead and... So they had this seven-day festival and it ended on the 15th Every year, because they had a 360-day calendar, 360-day, and they would they would always be on Tuesday, and they would call that Fat Tuesday, because they would gut and stuff themselves and have all kind of sexual desires fulfilled that week, and it was a seven-day festival just like over here, and they called it Fat Tuesday, and Fat Tuesday is the word Mardi Gras, and that would end on. They would start mourning for Tammuz on that next day on Wednesday and they would weep for him for 40 days and the Catholics put that in the Roman Catholic Church and called it Lent and it would always end. They would start their mourning on the 15th and it end on March the 25th. March 25th. And they called that the Day of Annunciation. Day of Annunciation, which was announcing the birth of the true Son of God, which was the Son God, nine months after March the 25th on December the 25th. And it all fit together. That's why God would say, You were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. When you back up from the equinox, you get into summer where all the crops are growing. You are darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Can you see that? I'm going to say that again. Because you had the light, you had all of these dark in the northern hemisphere. And Ishtar was when Tammuz was raised from the dead on March the 25th in mythology. By Ishtar, another name for Easter. Easter was a, a spring goddess. Easter is not Christian. Good grief. I want to talk some more, but I'm going to have to quit. I just, I can't tell you all that I want to tell you in one lesson. I'm just skimming the surface. I have had a conviction about this since I was a little boy.
but I didn't give it up till I got to my 40s. I just kept saying, something's wrong with this. This is not right. I had a conviction at 11 or 12 years old, saying, this must be the Mass. It must be Christ's Mass. There's the Pope. It's Christmas Eve. He's on the TV. And St. Nicholas is supposed to come tonight. And I found out St. Nicholas was a 4th Roman Catholic bishop that gave toys to children. And uh, many of the uh, historians say they believe he was a pedophile because he gave toys to children. He was a Roman Catholic bishop. Well, we are messed up. Do I think God is unhappy with it? Yeah. I guess I ought to close everything down because... The Christ Mass Parade is about to start, and we'll get blocked in here. I'm going to give you some more of this next week. You want to know about the days being shorter and longer? Just go on the Internet and look up how many minutes of daylight did we lose after June the 21st, the summer solstice. How many minutes are we gaining after this equinox or that equinox? I didn't make this up. What really amazing, you could go online. I've told you this. Go online and look up swastika in the stars. You're going to see the Big Dipper. That's what you're going to see, except it'll be like this. That's why, that's why the clan has got the swastika. They actually have the Maltese cross on their uniforms, which is a form of the swastika. It's just another form of the swastika. It's called the Maltese cross, or the Iron Cross among the Germans. That's what they gave to their aces in World War One. I. I don't know what else to say. Just keep saying the same things and keep saying, I'm going to repeat this stuff again and again and again. And if you can't get a hold of it, because you have no conviction. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth and for the word. God, help us. Help us to get through this world with all this hellishness going on about us. Lord, I don't even know what to ask for anymore. Just give me strength to keep going. I'll keep going. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect family. In Christ's name we pray, amen. At least you know what that verse means, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. Wouldn't you say that 9-11 is a direct result from all the areas getting scattered to? 9-11 ain't got nothing to do with it. It doesn't have anything to do with the Jews falling by the edge of the sword. Hey, um, 
I'm going to call you tomorrow morning and if we can call Carl and tell him I can now make $18,240. Okay. And we can call him and okay. he won't do it by my word. He wants to hear it from yeah, Okay. You. So I'll get us on a three-way call. Okay. And then next month I can just... What are you making now? Seventeen four. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a, Social Security's giving me a big raise this. That's good. This, yeah, this, year, this coming year. That's good. Even though ultimately they're ripping me off, but. Well, that's the government, though. You can't. Exactly. So I mean, that's why I'm not. What gonna, can you do? I'm not gonna, you know. Start not up nothing. An insurrection and take over <laughs> Washington. I wish you would. <laughs> I know her name. My mind just went blank. Uh, Tracy. Tracy. Uh, I talked to her about setting up a uh, thing where uh, you can, you know, look on. Menu. Did she do that? Uh, she 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 has more knowledge, about, a lot of knowledge about that. So okay. We're gonna get together, work on that. Okay. Good enough. Uh, get that working for us. Okay. It may take a little while, but we'll get it. Uh, are you going to try to help with it? You think you could work something out on that? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see. That means, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of resources here, so that's why I found Tracy. She was yeah. Hey, Zacho. How you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, doing all right, I guess. What you doing? You want some gum? You want some gum? Hey, Jim, how you doing? What you doing there, girl? <laughs> that was a hell for God, man. <laughs> What's going on? How's Jamar doing? He's going on heat. Hey, what's happening? We'll make fun of that one of these days. Hi, yeah. <laughs> Paul Crouch, most important back. book of this time. Yeah, I bet it is. To be made you don't need to keep that, do you? Uh, I won't read it. You, know, we, we, you, you won't read it. You won't retain it. We, would you? Would you? Would you tear it up on 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 camera? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, that'll be that'll be his best in high school. Yeah, he got he got a uh, he got a, a business now. He does what he's doing. He's got a cleaning company. Does he? He's not working for the government anymore. No, no. Uh, he's doing the, He's doing the, He's cleaning. Not doing prison work or anything. He d no, he's uh, he's doing that too. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh huh. At the, um, uh, CCA and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, sheriff of department. Well, Jamar, tell him to come see me. I am. I am. How's Y'all want wife? some gum? How's, how's your yeah, let me give them some gum. Can I get over here? Like, you would have to. Have you been, he knows what he wants. So these were like maps here, right? And then, so you'd have to kind of put them in a category so he'd know which category to get to. And then you'd be able to click right on it. So. Yeah, I'd like to have an index where I could go to it. Go to the index and click on. If there could be a separation in the index of certain things, or you could limit it to how much you're showing on it, you know.
Did y'all catch it? She don't feel good. I tried to get hold of her and she didn't answer. Holding it in the road. So what's wrong with her? She was feeling real sick last night and day before. Something it's like she's got some something. Yeah. How are you doing? Well, tell her she needs me. Well, just give her a call. Well, she got to answer the phone. She don't feel like she don't feel like doing much. No, I'm sure she don't. Well, just Here you go. She won't need something. Let me know. Okay. Is that for? Okay. <laughs> but if she needs something, tell her call me because she needs answer. Okay, I will. I appreciate all of you. Hey, Russ. How you doing? All hanging in there. Me too. I'm just hanging on. Mary feeling bad? Yes, she is. Go tell her I hope she feels better. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Me too. I want to go. What are you doing? I'm a coffin. Is that you coughing? What's that joke? What casket say the other casket? Is that you coughing? That's me. It's me. I'm the coffin. Hey, man. Okay.